Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. I'm Rob Spedding, I'm from Bike Radar and I am joined today by Tom Marvin. He is the, hello, he's a technical editor on Bike Radar and Warren Rossiter, senior technical editor for road cycling here on Bike Radar and Cycling Plus. And today we are going to be talking about bikes, obviously. We're going to be talking about whether you can have too many bikes. But really, in this sort of time of versatile gravel bikes, adventure road bikes, and actually really versatile road bikes, do you actually need more than one bike in your garage, in your shed? Um, Is N plus one dead? You know, N plus one is the ideal number of bikes. N, the number of bikes you've got, and plus one is the ideal number of bikes. So you always need to buy another bike. I think let's kick off, Warren, taking out all the test bikes that you have at the moment, because you probably have about 700 bikes in your garage. (laughs) How many bikes do you actually own or have as regular rides? Uh, There's two different answers to that. Own, um, it's close to 20. You own... Okay. Yeah, they're so actually, what, working, what? actually working bikes. <laughs> there are more than that that aren't aren't used or are you know half built, half. You've restored. got a problem. <laughs> you, you're going to be arguing for yeah, just one bike's enough, right? <laughs> Basically, yes. Okay. Yeah. Tom, <laughs> yeah, yeah. how many? Um, about ten percent of that. Um, so I've got a gravel bike and a road race bike, a racy road bike. Okay. Uh, but I would argue that 
N plus one is the perfect oh, number. Okay. And personally, I have at the moment, I think I've got four bikes that I'm using. I've got a, a road bike, a, you know, an endurance road bike. I've got a winter bike, an old winter bike with mud guards aluminium frame i've got a hardtail very cheap mountain bike that i just bumble around with with the kids and i've also at the moment got a folding bike tom (laughs) tom you're going to argue that we need more than one bike even though you've only well you have got more than one bike strictly speaking okay in in drop bars terms yeah i've got a race bike and a a gravel bike i also have obviously mountain bikes um and e-cargo bikes Mm -hmm. and my argument for n plus one being the perfect number of bikes is that cycling if you look at it outside of the utility aspect of getting to and from work, cycling is something to enjoy yeah. and a hobby. And different bikes do do different things very well. And if it's something you enjoy, why not? Okay. And Warren, I mean, you've got lots of bikes. Yeah. But you can see the idea of having one. And I suppose in context, we've had a load of bikes launched this year, gravel bikes mainly, but, you know, they've got big clearances. You can swap wheels, so you can have a 700C, you can have a 650B, which kind of really increases the versatility. That's the gravel bike kind of area. We've got suspension coming in. We've got one by drive chains, but we've also got road bikes like the new Damani, which, although ostensibly a fast-riding, almost aero road bike, you've got room for fat tyres, yeah, I mean, it's been it's coming for the last few years. It's mainly since disc brakes came in. Disc brakes came in on a road bike. It's just free design because you're not limited by a caliper, you know, a rim brake caliper, which limits tyre size. You know, you're just, it just became, that's all you could do with a road bike. Now, design has been freed from that and the design has been freed from that. And aerodynamics is coming more into play, not just on super fast aero road bikes, but on all road bikes. They're there are some advantages to giving bigger clearances over the tyre because you're dealing with less air disruption. So so it's kind of a, a what's come from advances in disc brake road bike design has made these bikes much more versatile. It kind of, you know, it started with things like the, the Roubaix. And I mean, not the current Roubaix, but the, the previous generation one where they first introduced Future Shock. You know, that was, uh, you know, a bike built for the cobbles and et cetera, et cetera. But ostensibly, it's a really good gravel bike. You could get like a 30, 32C tyre in there, providing you were clever about tyre setup and didn't go, you know, too high pressure or whatever, and you went tubular so you could, you know, you could cope with not getting pinch punches, et cetera. It's just as, as capable of, you know, a, a gravel bike as most gravel bikes out there, even though it's essentially a road bike, you know, and and there are lots of other examples of that, you know. Um, <clears throat> one of the guys I know that, that works for Cannondale, he rode Grand Euro Scotland on a Synapse. And I was asking about it. He said, well, I didn't really struggle. Right. You know, I just put some cyclocross tyres on it and it was fine. Is he very good at riding bikes? He's a good bike handler. Yeah. But not super fit or super fast. Just, you know, it just found it was, you know, it's probably not the optimum, but you can do it. Mm-hmm. Does it depend on the type of riding, particularly on the road, the sort of riding you're doing? Do you, do whatever, whatever way you look at it when it comes to buying a bike, do you always have to ask yourself the same question first, which is, what what do you need the bike for? So if yeah. we look at bike radar readers and bike radar users and the magazine readers, Cycling Plus and MB UK, very wide range of different disciplines that they take part in. But ostensibly, they all just ride a bike. That's the one thing. So if you know, if you're looking at what it is you need a bike for, is that how you answer the question? Is it, well, I need it for shopping. I need it for cyclocross. I need it to, to go touring on. I need it to do sportives on. You can easily go, well, I need four bikes there. 
but that sort of list as well. Could you easily, could you quite easily say, I just need one bike, Tom? You know, I just need it's a particular bike. That's going to do everything. I then. guess if, if you're happy for compromises, then you could easily compromise on a lot of those things with with that one bike. The the gravel bike I've got um, or ride a lot is is that Lauf. It is fine on the road. Um, it's you know it's got drop bars. It's got a reasonably the shape is fine. Okay, it's got gravel tires, so it can handle some of that off road stuff. It's got that little thirty mm suspension. So if I want to do slightly chunkier off road stuff, it's actually relatively comfortable on that. So maybe I could get rid of my XC bike. And if I want to cruise to and from work, well, it's really comfortable on rough, horrible roads. So if I'm riding through the centre of Bristol, it's actually quite a pleasant place to be. And it's got disc brakes. So it's reliable regardless of the weather. I can put, you know, mudguards on it. So that bike, I feel, could do 90% of, maybe not 90% of my riding because I try and ride trail and enduro bikes a lot, but of that ilk, it could do all my riding. So you, as a mountain biker, first and foremost, you actually you only need... One road bike, one I only road need style one road bike. bike, but I still want more than one road bike. I still want a gravel bike that's dedicated to that, and I still want a very racy road bike because I like going fast. But if we talk about a gravel bike, really racy road bike, we could look at the bike of the year, the bike radar bike of the year from uh, from twenty uh, what year were we in twenty nineteen? Yeah, you know that was the, the Rondo, Rondo yeah, the H- HVRT, which I've you know kept in. I've kept riding for you know, this year. Um, Take us, talk us through it. I mean, what what, what makes that bike, if you were going to make the argument for, you only need I mean, one that is, road yeah, bike. That's the poster boy for the argument to have one bike because it's dual wheel size, you know, dual wheels. I mean, that's what I'm saying is the argument of having one bike, I don't mean it's just one bike. It's, it's one bike that can have multiple setups. Now that's like the, H, you know, the HVRT, I'm running that with, you know, in its road guys, it's on 58 mil deep carbon, aero wheels with 25 mil tires and it's super fast but then i can also put a 650 wheel on it with a 47c tire on it and it's got the clearances for it and it's a super fast gravel bike at the same time um but with that they've also brought in the other thing where they've got the chip in the fork which actually it it alters the right position so it alters the stack and reach but effectively so in its low position it's more aggressive race position for the size of bike I ride for 58, when you look at the numbers, the stack and reach on it are pretty much identical to a Cannondale Super 6 Evo, which is one of the best handling road bikes there's ever been. And it's really close to it. You flip that chip, it raises the stack, shortens the reach a little bit, and it's actually really close to a Cannondale Synapse, which is a bike I own. And so it, that why it, like? <laughs> that's why I like it is because it felt familiar straight away, but also it does handle in two completely different ways. If I want to go out and do like an hour blast, you know, as fast as possible, I can put it in this aggressive trim on the deep wheels. If I want to go cruising and ride all day, I just flip that chip, r- relax the hand in and go out for six, seven hours. And, you know, and it feels as, as good as most insurance bikes out there. And and so when you're getting bikes that can do that, and we're also seeing that this year on the gravel side of things, and I'd say case in point of that is Cervelo's new Aspero. Mm-hmm. Um, effectively, the geometry of that bike is pretty much identical to their R3. Yeah, it can take dual wheel size. Yet, you know, it's a very, very capable gravel bike. It's a super aggressive, super fast gravel bike. It's a gravel bike for racers. But on the road, it doesn't feel compromised, especially if, if you can switch out the wheels and, you know, get some some road tyres on it. it I, I can't, I mean, I, I, when I was speaking to the fellow guys about it, I was sort of going, do you not worry this is going to kill the R3? Mm. Because it's not heavy. It's a 900 gram frame. You know, it's a, you know, sub eight kilo bike. And if you put a lighter set of wheels on it with road tyres on it, it's going to be, you know, 
competitively like. And are they worried or, or are they not? Well, I mean, no, I don't think so. But I do think that in the not too distant future, we're going to see convergence. At the minute, road bikes are splintering like mountain bikes did a few mm-hmm. years ago, where you get trail, enduro, XC, extreme XC, mm-hmm. downhill, you know, and you just get these subgenres and subgenres of bikes. And road cycling was looking like it was going to do that, you know, with gravel, with endurance, with fast endurance, with aero road, with like a climber's bike, et cetera. We was ended up with this disparities coming apart. But then this year there's bikes like Orbea's new OMX, which is aero optimized, super light, super fast, super aggressive but it still take a bigger tyre. And now you look at say, a bike like that and it almost eliminates the need for their their aero walker and their lightweight walker. You can almost think, well, that will become one. I wouldn't be surprised if in a few years, say from Specialised, the Tarmac and the Venge become one bike mm. because the Tarmac's almost as aero as it. It's a bit lighter. And if they can keep developing and the, the rate they've been developing in the last few years, those two bikes will just converge. So you'll have Roubaix and you'll have the race bike. Yeah. It's it's interesting. We've talked on this podcast about the whole gravel bike idea, the idea that this is a, a, a conceit of the bike industry to make people buy more bikes or buy that N plus one. So you've got your road bike, you've got your commuting bike, you've got your folding bike, you've got your mountain bike, but you need a plus one. So let's invent something called the gravel bike that will make people spend their thousand, two thousand, three thousand pounds with us. And importantly, forget the cross bikes. And forget the cross bikes, but they're still there. That's your M plus one plus one. But it actually seems to me that the innovations in road are seem to be coming from gravel. And rather than making people potentially buy more bikes, they're almost it looks to me like the industry, are they doing themselves out of a bit of business, Tom? Are they sort of I, I think, as I said, there has been that sort of conspiracy. And you, you see it a lot in comments of the mm. M plus one. And, yeah, okay, I am going to argue that, I, you know, M plus one is the future because I actually I like owning different things. And I, I do think that you can have a specialist machine that is so tuned for exactly the right thing that it's, it's more fun to go and ride, you know, like a real racy bike on the road than it is to ride a gravel bike on the road, even if you're going to change the tyres and the wheels and all that sort of thing. But the argument that you have, Warren, it, especially with you know the hurt from Rondo, it is very convincing in, in yeah, a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, That's just because we're all scared of Warren. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, don't, get, don't get me wrong. I mean, I you know I'm I'm arguing for only really needing one bike, but I'm thinking from you know personal terms and people mm. riders like me, you know, don't race too old for that. But like riding fast, you could still you could still do it, mate. <laughs> you still like, got it. <laughs> like riding fast, you know. Like riding all day. Like riding variety. Yeah, and mm. having a bike that, that, in one ride. In one ride. Yeah. yeah. You know, I like you know heading out on the road for a couple of hours and then seeing a byway or a dirt track and going. I wonder what's down there. I'm going to go and explore. And I I love that the freedom that that gravel bikes give you on that. I've got no interest in bike packing because I'm an adult. You know, I can stay in <laughs> hotels. My idea of touring is a credit card in my pocket and a laundry service at a hotel. I don't want to be carrying bags. I don't want to sleep under, I don't want to sleep in a tent. It just seems, you know. That's fair. <laughs> I, I think I think what the argument then is, is that sort of the contradiction or, or the nuance between something that is compromised and something that's versatile. Yeah, because yeah. something that's versatile is inherently compromised in all the things it's potentially able yeah, to yeah, do. Yeah. I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. I don't think we should be seeing pro tour riders heading out on a, you know, a GT grade or whatever, it's never going to happen. And it should never happen. You know, the last bike that I 
you know, I bought myself um, was a giant TCR Advanced yeah. SL, you know, a super light, super aggressive race bike. Mm. And that's because I'd had that as a long term. I absolutely fell in love and with it. And that's when you still thought you could make it as a pro, wasn't it? No, yeah. it's just I like the colour. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's, that's how you should choose a bike is actually just on the colour, isn't it? I like <laughs> yeah, the colour, yeah. you know, faster. I'm going to have it. Red is faster, but, you know, the HVRT, the, the, the colour, lovely sort of purple one that we had, mm. Sweet. I mean, obviously, it, we're we're arguing not for the sake of arguing, but there's obviously there are very good reasons, and I suppose to to um, to have more than one bike. If you if you're not like Warren and you don't head out on the road, think right, I'm going to go up that sort of dark, dirty alley. You you don't sort of think I'm going to go off onto the onto the Salisbury Plain. We should probably stop that, and I could start that again. Alley sounds so seedy, but you know what I mean. You know, it's kind of like it, he does go down dirt, dark, dirty alleys. I mean, it's something we try to stop him doing. But, um, but if you know, if you are, if you want to race, you still need a race bike. If you want to do yeah. TTs, yeah, yeah. you definitely still need a TT you know, bike. Right? As Tom said, you know, like cyclocross. cyclocross. And I actually think that's another thing that's happened because of gravel bikes cyclocross bikes have got so much better right low-end cyclocross bikes always used to be the choice of the commuter mm. Mm. so low-end cyclocross bikes always had fixtures for mudguards and bottle cages etc etc you know they're full fittings all extraneous stuff if you were a cross rider on a budget now all of those entry-level low-end cross bikes have done away with all that stuff because there's a gravel bike in the range that fulfills all that needs and probably does it better and does it better so cross bikes have got purer and better for the advent of gravel. And that's where having that nicheification, is that a word? Where you, you know, that means that each of those bikes can become more specialist and better at what they do, while yeah. also but being that's a, more but, but that's niches in racing. Mm. And I yeah. still think that's always going to exist. Mm. But I still think, like, on the road, we will see a convergence between aero and standard road bikes, you know. Yeah. But, uh, and, Be- because aero, aero road bikes, historically, have always had that compromise to be as aero as they are. It's always been about weight, and it's always been about you know they probably don't handle quite as mm. well as their racy equivalent. Now the lines are so blurred, you know. You if you like blind tested, say the the Venge and the Tarmac, you'd be hard pushed to tell the difference. So you think we're going to see a narrowing, perhaps, of of ranges? Do I you think, think, that, I think the road bike will, will return to how pure it used to be, mm. where you just had the pro level race bike, twenty three mil tires. Yeah. It, it wasn't like the rider just had. You know, it got to the start of stage with your bike, and now it mm. gets to the start of stage, and which one do you want? Right. You know, there's two or three options in our range now, and I think that we might see that slim, apart from things like the classics, where bikes like the Damani and the Roubaix, and, mm. you know, it, they're necessary because of the, you know, conditions underfoot. But I do, I do think that the general rider's bike, the big volume selling bikes, are going to keep going down this much more versatile mm. path. So if someone came to you and said, I want to get a bike that I can ride on the road. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want a road bike. In what direction would you know, this is the first bike I've ever bought or I'm coming back to cycling or where would you point them? I guess if you know if they're coming to me and saying no, I want a, a road bike without specifying gravel or racing or you know, it would have to be the endurance road bike. Something with good tire clearance for, you know, as I say up to a 32, whatever it is, but maybe a slightly more road bent. You know, yeah. like the silence, you say, you know, if, if you can get around the grand, a grandeur, that probably would be a good first road bike, I'd say. Not too aggressive, so fairly comfortable if you're not used to a road hmm. position. 
um, but versatile enough to do all the things you want it to do. So you not not a gravel bike. What about you? Was would you sort of would you go the similar path? But only as because a, they specified a road bike. Yeah, but you know, yeah, if they, yeah. or, or they'd say a, a drop bar bike. You know, I mean, maybe I was. Would you sort of put, point someone in the direction of something? One of these super versatile. I think it gravel all, bikes. stems back to you know asking the question of yourself: What do I actually need this bike for? Or what do I want to do with it? What are my aspirations? You know, so if your aspirations were well, within you know eighteen months, two years, I want to be two years, I want to be racing, then you'd point somebody at you know some of the brilliant entry level like, aluminium race bikes that are out there at the minute, Cab Thirteen, you know, Specialized Alley, mm. um, even you know Can- Canyons Aluminium offerings are all really super smart, super sweet bikes. But if that's not your aspiration, then I'd much much more prefer people to go after a bike that that gave them the comfort that's going to give them the enjoyment that's just going to make everything about riding, you know, so much more fun. And, you know, that's that's all the big players. That's Giant Defy, you know, Fabulous mm. Bike, Roubaix, Domani, you know. Um, uh, but then you get into the grey area of, well, do you go down that kind of more aggressive gra- gravel bike? Mm. Cervelo, Aspero, GT Grade. Um, even, you know, Cannondale Topstone. That's, mm. a, that's a bike that's got rear suspension, effectively. But... It's got the same geometry as the Synapse. Yeah. And again, it's a question I asked of Canada on the on the top zone launch. I said, do you not think this is gonna this is gonna kill Synapse? One, because you know the Synapse is a brilliant bike and I love it. You know, I I it's another bike I've bought that I own. Um but the top zone is so close to it, coming from coming from the gravel end of things, it's close, it's comparable to it on weight, geometry is pretty much the same. But then if you go the other side with the new Cannondale Super 6 Evo where they've instilled it with so much more comfort than the, the previous generation model, the synapse has been squeezed from two sides. Mm. You know, if you can live with the slightly more aggressive geometry on the on the Super 6 Evo, it's lighter, it's just as comfortable, it's got decent tyre clearance, it's got all those factors. So this is one bike that's being squeezed from, from both sides, you know. And I think if you look at all the big players in the market out there, they all have a bike in their range, which you think, is that becoming superfluous? So the one bike thing, we think you could do it. Yeah. But let's be honest, no one wants to. It's like any hobby. You want to keep buying. You want to acquire gear, gas, gear acquisition sy- syndrome. It's in everything. Well, so I, I, how I, far I, would you go? Yeah, but I always think of it, if it's the worst case scenario and some evil faction of the government got away with, you had to license a bike, you had to ride around with a number plate on, then you have to think, right, well, it's going to mm. cost me four or 500 quid to mm. license every single bike I own. And I'd have to think, right, I've got to get rid of all of these bikes and I've just got to keep one of them. Mm. And then one I would probably keep would, from the road side of things, a bit of Rondo, HVRT. Right. From the gravel side of things, it'd be a G- So two bikes, that sounds yeah. sensible. No, no, I'm saying if only I can only if, have one. If you and were it would forced, just be whatever, right. I was, okay. whatever I was feeling that day. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's pretty much how it... Let's hope that that, that doesn't Let's play out. That dystopian pass, future yeah. where we have to pay <laughs> yeah. for riding our bicycles doesn't come to pass. Are you listening, whatever government it's is in power, power when, <laughs> when this comes out? But, you know, so what's the what's the balance? You know, what, what's a sensible... 20 sounds like... In, unless you've got the money, you're an oligarch or you're Warren Rossiter, you know, 20 bikes seems like an excessive number of bikes. It is but excessive, then, but can I, put it, I could put it in context. An early 1960s bike that I've been promising to restore for the last 10 years, yeah. and I'm only about halfway through. Um, there's a BMX in there. There's three mountain bikes, all out of date, all very old, but have sentimental value, so mm-hmm. get rid of them. Um, there's fixed-gear track bike, fixed-gear road bike. They're three single speeds. 
Um, You're pretty much yeah, going through the trends of road cycling <laughs> yeah. over the I, last I, few it's years, just, actually. It's this ridiculous thing that I've been in this testing for so long. I always find these bikes I really like and I'm, you know, really have fun with, end up buying them. Mm. Buying one a year is pretty legit. Yeah. And I also think if you're testing bikes, you should be a yeah. You should be experiencing the pain of buying a bike. Yeah. You can't just, you know, live in a sweet shop your whole life. Mm. Yeah. You know, you've actually got to go out and go, well, I've, you know, I've, I've paid real money for this. And Stand by your convictions. Jesus, that's expensive. It's quite interesting, though. You're talking there about single-speed bikes, fixed fix bikes. Yeah. You know, it's the decade ago when they were all the rage. Yeah, yeah. And they've obviously still gone out of fashion. There are still people riding them, particularly track riders, obviously, with fixed gear. But... But, you know, that sort of commu- the single speed is the the, work, the best commuter. That seems to have gone and been replaced by the versatile road bike or the gravel bike. Is there a danger that in 10 years when we have this conversation again and we're in our dotage and you know, I'm just about ready to retire? Podcast episode 375. Virtual reality holograms into your, uh, into your, into your houses which are actually pods on the moon. But anyway, <laughs> you know, is there a danger we'd be scared? Oh, do you remember Do you remember gravel bikes? Of course there's a risk that the bikes that we think now are like the, the cutting edge and, you know, mm. this is the future will, will be the past. Doesn't it's, matter. It's inevitable. Yeah. But it doesn't stop them being any more valuable. It doesn't stop being great. It doesn't stop people hankering off the, you know, 1960s, 1970s steel bikes mm. or, you know, some of the earliest examples of, you know, when people were thinking about aero, so like low-pro time trial bikes with odd-sized wheels or, you know, classics like the Cinelli Laser. People still love that, love stuff yeah. those things, even though they're hopelessly outdated. Mm. Um, I, but, I, you know, I I like to think that as design's developing, as the technology of, of bike material science is developing, that it it will end up as, you know, there'll be one bike that will be able to do it all, you know, yeah. on the road and even on, on mountain bikes, you know. You know, if they can get a matter bike with adaptive su- suspension technology, they can change its geometry. Mm. You know, on, on the fly sort of thing. Then, then that's one bike for all, isn't it? And will it be electric? Right? <laughs> you haven't even mentioned those. Are we done? Are we done? I mean, I, I think you know we've argued. Have we argued? We've discussed both. I don't think there's a conclusion here. I, you know, I think it's good to have one bike. If you if you can only have one bike, only have one bike. Mm-hmm. If you can afford twenty bikes, have twenty bikes. But the think, more people think carefully about what you're going to each yeah, use. Yeah, what you're going to use them for. Don't don't buy something you're just going to sit and look at. Okay, well I think that I think that draws a nice an end to that conclusion. Yeah, it's probably now time. Should we just have a bit of a, a very very short chat about what have you lot been up to recently? What have you you lot? There's only two of you. What have you been up to on bikes? Uh, I think by the time this goes out. I'll have just come back from South Africa. Right. Um, so I'm doing a three-day mountain bike marathon race. So okay. 200 and summit K over three days in the Drakensberg. On a gravel bike, On right? a mountain bike. Oh, okay. But what this means is that, so prior to the race, I've, I've been doing a lot of mountain biking, a lot of cross-country, mm-hmm. trying to get miles in, of which my gravel bike has been a key component of my training. Okay. And it's been really good for that. So um, so that's another reason you should have more than one bike because you're going to have a mountain bike to race on, but you, you're training on training something on else. Bike. Yeah, or just because riding. where I've been riding, doing a lot of my training, hasn't been the most engaging really mountain bike I'm really confused now. So, yeah, I'm so confused. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, Bike of the Year is kicking off. Okay, Warren? Well, yeah, Bike, bike, of, the of, the year. Is, bike of the Year is kicking off. Um, so I'm assembling quite an extensive lineup of, mm-hmm. of bikes to be involved in that. I guess recently, um, been spending a lot of time riding Shimano's new GRX group set, their new gravel-specific group set. How are you finding it? Well, I was really sceptical about it when they when they announced it to me 
back in February because to me it looked like a collection of parts from the mountain bike ranges and a collection of parts from the road that had just been kind of mashed mm. together. But so then a mullet get, kind of yeah, scenario. Yeah, not a real group set, more mm. of just, yeah, you know, just this, this mishmash of, of bits that they've pulled together. But actually after using it for, you know, riding it out in the States on the official launch in Montana, um, it was fabulous and I've been spending lots and lots of time on it back here. Um, and I am super, super impressed. You know? Okay. Is it DR2 and mechanical? It is DR2 mechanical. I've got the DR2 version. Um, the DR2 version is just, you know, the new lever shape that they've designed for DI2, um, which has got a servo wave brake lever. Okay. Um, it just means that you can, I mean, I was riding like the mountain bike trails in Montana, the Whitefish Trail Trail Park, beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Don't I'd recommend, if anybody's ever anywhere near it, I'd recommend it. But the trails there were, you know, proper full-on mountain bike trails. So on your normal gravel bike, as you know, mm-hmm. you need to be in the drops because you've got to get full, yeah, yeah. full power on the brakes. On on the GT with the DI2 lever, because it's servo wave, I was breaking from the hoods on these fast descents okay. with one finger. Are you going to see servo wave on Durace or Tegra, that stuff? I don't know. I mean, I, I my opinion that I came away with, this new because the new lever shape is so comfortable as well. It's also there, because it's DI2, where you've got the third button sort mm-hmm. of hidden under the hood. They've actually moved that to the side on that. And because I had the W111 Bluetooth antenna on it, mm-hmm. I could set my Garmin up to slip between Garmin screens by just pressing the buttons on the hoods. So Instead of changing gears? In, well, I could change gears with the, with yeah, the normal yeah. levers, but then that, the uh, secondary okay. buttons. Yeah. You know, Technology's taking over. You can switch between Garmin screens, which means oh. you don't have to do the dangerous thing of taking your hand off, a, you know, off the bars to actually you yeah. know, find where you're going or whatever. You can just do it all. And it's just so intuitive, so good. Mm. And the new lever shapes are good, and the server wave is so good. I, I, and I've come to the conclusion, is like, unless you're... A, uh, a serious competitive racer riding dual race, and so you spend all of your time in the drops, or most of your time in the drops. I don't know why on every other Shimano group they aren't servo wave because mm-hmm. any endurance rider out there, any just normal roadie that's not a super fast, you know, com- competitor, probably spends ninety five percent of their time on the hoods. Yeah. So why not have the optimum braking from the hoods? Yeah. Instead of every time you want to brake when you're going down there, it's like oh, I've got to get, I've got to get myself into the drops and everything. Mm. It's probably worth explaining as quickly and as briefly as you can what that is, what servo wave is. Well, servo wave just affects the, the brake lever action. Mm. So it ramps up really quickly. So it's got a real fast action initially. And then you've got this kind of power band curve mm. where it's really natural and incremental. And you don't end up having to grab big fistfuls of lever to get into the, the pure brake. It pushes the pads onto the rotor quicker yeah. in, a, in its early phase and then backs down, but the leverage comes up and you yeah. get the power. So you get this really nice, it's just so progressive. And so you don't end up sort of snatching the brake or right. grabbing big fists of the brake. You know, you just end up with incredible amount of control. And it's the fact you're getting that control from the hoods and not the drops. You can get it on a normal, you know, um, disc brake, but yeah. you need to be down in the drops to mm-hmm. actually be at the bottom end of the lever to, you know, to, to get that that kind of. And how's how's it done? Yeah, I mean, how's leverage. how's it done? How's it actuated? How what's the? You know, it's what's, just it's just a. The, They've made how the have they done it, basically? It's how? just they've made the point of engagement of the pad. The pad moves quicker right. on that initial pull of the lever. Mm. So it gets to the rotor much quicker okay. than normal. So it's so evolving yeah. in, the, in the lever, right? Yeah, so, so just clever jiggery-pokery in the... Yeah. You just haven't got this yeah. dead, the sort of dead zone okay. that you get from a normal brake. So brake, disc brakes are getting better. Mm. Shimano yeah. disc brakes are getting better. Sounds like you've both been having quite a lot of fun, actually. What have you been doing? I've just been making excuses not to ride my <laughs> bike. Um, I'm, I'm recovering from a very serious eye injury, as you know. I had a yeah. detached retina over the summer. So I haven't been doing as much riding as I, I should have been, but I've been 
mainly commuting, which is quite quite dull. I need to clean my long-term bike, my Ribble um, Endurance SLR, because it's very dirty. Sorry, Ribble. And uh, it's making a lot of noises. I need to sort out what those noises are. But then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start experimenting with mm-hmm. different ways of carrying stuff to work. Ooh. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe pseudo bikepacking to work. So I want to find ways to get to work without a big rucksack yes. and also find ways to get to work without getting a really wet ass. Well, you need is just a That's probably mud guards, isn't, isn't it? Right? Credit card. I'm just going to get my chauffeur to drive <laughs> me to work w- with the bike on the back and I'll be fine, you know, <laughs> with something like that. Uh, no, so, and I do need, I just want to get out a bit more on my bike just as the rain starts. But that's kind of a weird thing. I, I actually tend to do more riding in the winter than the summer. I've got no idea why. Mm. It's just a, always been the way, always been the way. I like those damp, dark nights of the soul. <laughs> anyway, I think that concludes the Bike Radar podcast for, for, for today, for this week, for this fortnight, for this month. Depends if you've been, how you've been listening. If you, uh, if you like us, then make sure you subscribe to our, to our podcast on all good podcast providers. Leave some comments, leave some reviews. And if you are watching us on the Bike Radar YouTube channel, give us a nice thumbs up comment uh are we right about what oh no go on what are we right about n plus one how many bikes have you got has anyone got more bikes than warren and um and do subscribe of course to the youtube channel thanks for listening thank you thank you thank you tom and thank you warren you for listening to the bike radar podcast if you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling check out bikeradar.com